Hello, everybody, and listen to Dragon's Cast. This is normally your Drexel basketball podcast. Today, we're spinning it a little bit different. We're going through a conference, uh, cheating a little bit on our conference CA tournament preview. A rite of tradition for me, at the blog in the past, is to write the preview about a week into the season because that's when I got around to it after the holidays. And we are doing it here on the podcast, True to Form. I'm joined uh, by Bill and Anthony. Bill, how are you doing tonight? I bet, man. I got that, that baby to sleep with this early recording. Uh for this podcast, so I'm good to go now. Got to put it to bed. Got to put it to bed. We've done that here, too. Anthony, how about you? Doing well. Doing well. All right. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this a little bit because I think the conference, I know when the season got started off, everybody was kind of dogging on the, the out-of-conference performance, especially from some of the new attendees to, this, to the uh, CAA. But I think that leveled off a little bit as the, as the year went on. And um, I think this is one of the more clear – editions uh, of the CAA. I think you've, you've got a pretty good idea of who's good and who's bad, and we can we can break it down fairly easily. Um, I've bucketed them, and we'll move worst to first today. But just the sprawl, I think. I think Charleston is a legitimate top fifty team. We'll talk about this. They went to they're in the top twenty five poll. Um, I, I have to mention this: the top twenty five poll, the first CAA team to be an AP top twenty five team since nineteen eighty seven. That was. The Admirals, the the Admirals, the Admirals Navy team, David Robinson, and that team lost to Drexel University that year. So, just had a big win against the top twenty-five Navy team back then. Um, some of the Drexel historians have, have told me this story. It lives in lore. Um, but Charleston's there now, so you have that at the top, and you have. We'll start with the bottom, um, and we'll start with uh, not a newcomer to the conference. We'll start with Elon, who visited the DAC last week. Very courteous of them to swing by. Um, they, they they didn't look ready. They've got a first year coach in Billy Taylor, um, but he's he's got about twenty years of coaching experience under his belt. Um, uh, I want to say he was in the Patriot League, um, followed by Ball State, and the job he did in both places was kind of taking over programs that were in real bad shape and getting them to respectability again. And they kind of started reverting back before he got he got pulled out of both jobs. So I guess if you're Elon, maybe you want to get that catch that as a pinnacle. Uh, the thing that drives me crazy with Elon is they've got a beautiful new arena. They're in North Carolina, and, and they go out and get a guy where this is his third time coaching, and and um, he hasn't shown great success, the ability to level up a program you know, to a, a point where they would compete in the CAA. So that hire, year one here, he's got four seniors playing in, a, in an eight-man rotation, and they're one of the worst teams in all of Division One. I think historically we have a chance this will be the worst CA team ever. Um, so I, I know you guys saw them when I spent a lot more time bashing Elon than I just did right there. But um, any any thoughts uh, now that we've now that you've seen them come through? I mean, they lost a lot from last year, and they didn't really replace it with much. I think I had them as the twelfth ranked class in the conference coming in. So uh, out of thirteen, not ideal. Um, seeing them, they don't seem to have the talent they need to compete in the conference, which would be, you know, not that bad if it was one of the new teams coming in, but this is a team who's been, been in the CAA. Um, so yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like they're ready to compete, uh, with this new coach from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think I've said it before, but, uh, two wins this season and zero against division one competition, 
not a good sign, um, especially when you're losing to teams like the Radford Highlanders or the Presbyterian College Blue Hose. Uh, that's a mascot that will strike fear in the heart of any opponent. Um, what a phenomenal name. <laughs> Valparaiso Beacons. Uh, just not not looking like it's going to be a very nice year for for the Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, they just didn't look like they belonged on the same court, like physically. I mean, it just, just I actually didn't think the game plan was that bad attack. I just thought physically they were just not at the same level as the Dragons were, and I don't think, yeah, it's, it's not good. And, I, and I'm liking it a little bit. You, again, you've got this great setup for college basketball. You're in North Carolina with a state-of-the-art arena. And then you bring in this, yeah, I, I don't I don't get what they're doing there. I don't get the leadership at Elon. And, and I think the last few years, um, there was a time where Elon was the hot name. Remember, obviously in the COVID year, that was a, that was a title fight. It was Drexel Elon in, in the finals. It was only two years ago. So, you know, what has happened? Um, really, really got ugly down there quick. And I do, I liken it to giving giving a, a Lambo to a 15-year-old. You know, uh, it's cool he has a car, but he's not allowed to drive it, man. Like, not, you can't do anything with it. You've got a great building and you're doing just nothing with it. You've got to figure out a better plan down there. All right, that's going to take us to um, our number 12, number 12 ranked school here in the conference. Uh, could have been an argument here. Uh, but I gave it to Mammoth, which is stunning to me, really surprising to me because King Rice, longtime coach, quality coach, um, but really hasn't gotten it done this year. Uh, Anthony, what have you seen out of conference from them? Um, this is probably my biggest surprise out of everybody in the conference just at how bad their record actually is. Um, I do give them a little bit of credit. It's, it might be the toughest out-of-conference schedule across the CAA, um, although none of those games were particularly close. Uh, open the season at Seton Hall, at number 18, Virginia, at number 19, Illinois. Um, it's kind of a murderer's row a bit there. Um, lost at a Colgate team that has been to the tournament a couple years running. I think Norfolk State, who they lost to just before then by five, was a was a tournament team last year, I believe. Um they got a win at Manhattan, who, if I'm not mistaken, lost their coach right before the season started, some contractual issue um, about renewing his deal. So he left them. Uh, so that is kind of a team in a state of flux. Uh, blown out at Princeton, 15-point uh, loss at Syracuse. Um, just not really competitive. Teams like Charlotte and Yale are beating them by 30-plus. Uh, so it's uh, when we saw the new additions to the conference, this was one of the teams that I said, OK, I, I can get behind this from, a, you know, they're usually a pretty decent mid-major team. But um, their inaugural season in the CAA seems, once again, like Elon, like it's going to be one to forget. Yeah, I mean, they've got some talent. Jack Collins is, is a freshman. I think he's got a freshman year award under his belt. Uh, he looks like he could be a guy, 6'5", can shoot it. Um, Teron Allen's a, a sophomore who's also kind of um, shown ability, but they've got a, a turnover machine at the point. At the point, and it's not not a whole lot else that to get excited about. Um, Miles Foster is kind of on and off, and um, tough tough to see their future. I do think that they, I probably could have moved them up one one spot here. Uh, there'll be controversy between the uh, 
11 and 12 seeds, but I don't know that that's a controversy worth, worth worrying about. Um, I, I, <clears throat> I did look back and Drexel S played them New Year's Eve down there at Monmouth in 2005. Um, was at that game, and I'm happy to report that Monmouth has a new building. One thing we should we should we should have a facilities ranking at some point here too, because the, the the fact that the two the 12 and 13 seeds here are both playing in gorgeous brand new buildings, and for all the people who argue facilities facilities, you need that to recruit. Um, that alone doesn't get the job done. Bill, have, have you seen anything? Uh, have, you, have you gotten to catch them at all this this year? I haven't seen them too much, but I I did do some like just analysis on the league early on to see like who was returning to what. And I think they returned the least amount of points of anyone in the conference. Um, so looking at my spreadsheet here, they only have returned 14 points from last year total on the entire roster. So you pair that with a recruiting class where, you know, not the best, but also all freshmen. There's no, no transfers. There's no hitting the portal. To bring guys in, um, I'm not sure if they had any red shirts on that roster, but no one had played last year uh, was scoring really that many points. So, could be one of those years. A lot of turnover, lost a lot of guys. You know, maybe it's just a down year for them. Um, you know, we'll see. I think King Rice is a good coach, um, so I think you know they could you know, improve. Uh, hopefully, in the coming years, but he's going to have to hit the, the transfer port a little bit harder. Um, you can't lose that many guys and expect to you know, reload with freshmen at this, at this point, if you want to be good right away, you're going to have to bring in a couple transfers who can lift you up. So I think that's probably where they went wrong for this year. Yeah. To your point, they, they were 500 or better in the Mac and well over it. Most years, seven of the last eight years, uh, prior to coming to this conference, King Rice was the coach for all of those. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that this is going to help his, if he has a desire to move up at any point. I know he's been a hot name from time to time, but um, I can't imagine he's on the hot side, hot seat after year one. I, I wouldn't think so, but uh, I, I'd imagine it will get warm next year if things continue to go like this. So that's going to take us up to number 11 in this odd 13-team conference. I hope everybody's enjoying one team being off each each game day. Um, there's nothing I like more rooting for college basketball than a team not playing on a Saturday. It just it kills me a little I, Everybody should find a game, but we'll uh, we'll get done with that musical chairs next year when Campbell joins the league. We'll get to talk about them. But in this year's edition, I have Hampton at number 11. Got a text early in the year, like late November. Uh, it just simply said, Hampton, not CAA talent. Um, I think I actually got that from other places as well. Yeah, they're, they're not ready um, is what it felt like. They transitioned quickly and, and maybe didn't have it on board. Bill, is that kind of kind of your, your summary if you're looking through them in the off season too? Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, like, I don't know these guys very well, obviously not watching the team. I mean, they return a lot more for sure than, um, than Monmouth did. Like they returned 42 points. It's a lot uh, actually to be returning, but if they're not at this level, those players, then they're going to have trouble competing. I did like, really like Jordan Desbitt. Coming in, he transferred in from St. Louis. Uh, I think he's a big time recruit for them. But if he's your only guy, it's not going to be enough. And he was uh, not super efficient at St. Louis anyway. So I mean, that's one thing he has, needs to improve on. And um, you figure if he's going to be the star there, um, you know, you can't be shooting just in the thirties. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I haven't got a chance to watch them enough to really comment on the rest of the team's uh, talent. Yeah, it's funny. You put a senior point guard like Russell Dean, you, you, you take Jordan Nesbitt in there, and and, and, uh, and then you've got a shooter with Marcus Godwin, and you say, hey, that's that's not a bad big three to build around. Um, but clearly not ready. Uh, and Nesbitt, you know, I always get a little bit worried about guys who are in their third school in three years. Um, you know, if they, play, if they play nice with others is usually my concern. Um, and he's, he's not, he's had efficiency issues. Uh, that would, that would make you question a little bit, but actually I do like, uh, like Russell Dean is a bit of a sneaky player and, um, he's, he's kind of so, some areas to work on certainly, which is tough to hear out of a senior, but, um, as a guy who's a good leader for a lot of us, a, a young team, this is, that's the other thing. They, they do play a lot of young guys. So see, um, See if they can make some progress and maybe hit that portal in the off season. Uh, I've been to their campus. I've never been in their facility, but it's it's a nice campus right there, and nice to bring back that Newport News area and give uh, WNM a travel partner. I hope, totally get the addition, but they're gonna they need to do a little bit more work. Anthony, what do you have uh, on? I don't even know what their nickname is on Hampton. Hampton Pirates. Pirates. Right? Pirates yeah, yeah. Pirates. Yes. Uh, I concur with the uh, not ready, uh, just not probably talented enough to be on this level. Um, you always say, Dan, you can kind of throw out that opener, first game a team plays every season. Um, but new team to CAA uh, opens the season at Atlantic Union Bank Center uh, at old team, recent departure from CA James Madison, and gets absolutely blasted. 106 to 58, 48 points. Uh, they were obliterated in that game. Um, so, uh, and, and to, to JMU's credit, I think they were picked to win the Sun Belt. So, uh, you know, they're maybe not as bad as they've seemed in their last couple of years in this conference, but nothing about the schedule was particularly notable. Uh, lost at Wake Forest, lost to Georgia, won by nine and five against Howard and Loyola in back-to-back games. Those are their only two Division One wins. Um, Five-point loss to Texas Southern. Not great. Uh, and unlike Drexel, that had two home games against arguably two of the weakest teams in the conference, they began their run in the CAA visiting Charleston and Wilmington, which may have arguably been, uh, not to give away the end of our your ranking here, Dan, but two of the better teams in the conference and were thoroughly beaten in both. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's welcome to the CAA the hard way, isn't it? And to your point, JMU probably would have slotted in at number two on the list uh, had they been in the conference. Still, they're good, but yeah, first game of the season, and, and the JMU came hungry, and Hampton uh, left hungry. <laughs> they were the, they were the food uh, in that one. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, better luck next time. But yeah, that was a, a serious welcome to the CA trip. You're right about that. Um, no, thank you. All right. So I, I I have on this list here just big gap. Right. Those are your bottom three. Those are clearly your bottom three. I do think Elon is actually markedly worse than both Monmouth and Hampton. Um, we'll, we'll see if that plays out. But I, I, I do think that there could be a, a little gap between Elon and Monmouth and Hampton. Uh, but then we have a, a very, very large gap because the next two teams are actually teams that on any given Sunday um, can compete a little bit. Um, so I have, and this was a tough, tough choice as well here at 10. Uh, I went with Stony Brook uh, at 10. Um, they're, they're playing a short rotation. Um, they don't have a ton of offense, but they get up in your grill. They play hard. 
Um, they defend well. And so they're going to be one of those teams that um, they're going to be sneaky. And, and when you have that kind of high-level effort team, and um, you don't want to sleep on them. It's going to be one of those. Somebody's going to go. Somebody's going to have a Stony Brook Hofstra trip at some point this year with Stony Brook, you know, as the first game of that. And they're going to look ahead to Hofstra. And it's going to become a really interesting game with Stony Brook as a result. Um, just, I think, Stony Brook and, and uh, the next team, which will be we'll give it away, William and Mary, are both kind of teams that are waiting in the waiting in the weeds to beat somebody. Stony Brook in particular, um, not much to show for it so far, but they do have, um, well, let's just talk about it. They, they beat Northeastern. Uh, the joy of cheating and doing this week in the schedule is they, you get to see stuff like that. Um, Northeastern um, has some work to do too, but I don't think anybody really had Stony Brook going on, on the road to Boston and coming away with a win. And that just tells you, you, you can't, you can't take these guys lightly. This is uh, that's that range. This is kind of a scary range of the conference. Anthony, um, what have you seen around the schedule with them so far? Yeah, the uh, the Northeastern win stuck out uh, on the road. Uh, their first conference game. Um, the out of conference schedule was fairly uninspiring. Uh, blown out at Florida in the first game. Um, their last out of conference game was only if you qualify that an, an eleven point loss in Morgantown at West Virginia, which isn't a terrible loss. Um, even though West Virginia may not be as good as, as prior years, um, but only five and nine and the Northeastern win is one of three division one wins. Uh, they also defeated sacred heart and army both at home. Um, and bolstered the schedule with two non D one wins. So five point loss to Yale, Bryant, I believe, was a tournament team last year. Beat them by 19. Um, 20 point loss at Rhode Island, who I think is having a down year uh, this year. So, um, yeah, uninspiring out of conference. The only time they played the big boys, they lost pretty good, except for that West Virginia one where, you know, 11, uh, not so much of a blow. Yeah. Uh- Gino Ford is, is my hot seat winner of the year. I think he's the guy whose probably job is most at risk right now. Um, his next year, I think, is, is, is the year his contract expires. Um, he's going to need them to turn that around a little bit. The coach they had before him was Jeff Bowles, who went out to Ohio, was very successful. Uh, that's actually one of the guys that I wanted Drexel to look at when when, when, this, when the uh, Spiker job opened up or when the uh, Bruiser job opened up, they hired Spiker. So they, they've got uh, – Stony Brook has got um, – their administration seems to have a pretty good head on their shoulders, know what they want, and, and uh, I'm wondering if the patience isn't going to run up. So big year for him and for them. Um, Bill, mostly upperclassmen, so you probably haven't seen a lot of Stony Brook. Because um, I know you're looking at the guys coming in. They actually they actually only returned four players from last year. Okay, and they're just playing all of them. So you've seen a lot of Stony Brook. <laughs> they have only returned four players, yeah. Um, which... It's crazy, really. I mean, they returned 16 points, not a ton, a little bit more than Monmouth. But they brought in transfers, right? So they brought in uh, that Keenan Fitzmorris. He's like a seven-footer from um, Stanford, I believe. Uh, Aaron Clark was a guy who produced Sacred Heart. Um, so they brought in some, and they got Keenan Sarvan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, he was a Juco guy. So you're, you're bringing in guys who – you know, at least can contribute from day one. You didn't bring in a bunch of freshmen. So I think that's kind of where the difference is. Even though they have gaps, they went out and they said, hey, we got to hit this portal hard. We have a ton of gaps and brought in some players. 
I mean, I didn't love their class, honestly, with, with everyone in it because it's nine deep and there's uh, some players that I don't think are CAA level, but they did bring in some guys who are um, contributing at the top here and I think is at least making them competitive. Yeah, and the loss of Aaron Clark is, 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 uh, is obviously having an impact there. Um, a lot of point guards um, <laughs> uh, disappearing. That'll be a theme we'll talk about uh, as we move on and up the rankings here. So um, they've got they they go to Monmouth next um, before home games against Towson and Drexel. It, it feels actually like you know we'll learn a lot. I think this next week or so we'll learn a lot about um, uh, Stony Brook and and if they can raise their game of the conference season is here or if uh, and, and I'm looking particular both their game at Monmouth um, they need to win if they want they want to be considered you know uh, the, the next tier up and then the game hosting Drexel that's a big one for both teams I think so uh, next two games for them uh, next three games for them Towson sandwich in between them alright so that's going to take us then to the next one I had that level, which was William & Mary. We just saw at the DAC this week. Um, you know, I don't think they played particularly well. Like we, we talked about this separately. Uh, I thought the game plan was very poor uh, for Dane Fisher. Um, but they've got guys who can shoot it. Um, and uh, I thought Dorsey and Mullins were both interesting players. Seeing them, I thought they those, those are both guys who probably belong at this level. Um especially Dorsey. Uh, he looked like a, a tough cover. Um, so I'm not as down on them uh, maybe as I could be. And then they have the receipts, right? They beat Richmond. They beat Radford. So they've got the Richmond one especially. It's, it's a nice win for them. And and I think what I see from this team is a team that they're going to have to shoot the ball well to, to beat you. If, if they're shooting the ball well, they can give you a hard time. And usually when that happens, when it's like that, that's going to be a team that's going to do much better at home than on the road, because uh, you know it's, it's I don't know it's it's I think that um, I, I should have I should bring numbers to the argument I have them somewhere, don't have them here today. But um, you know when you when you have at home, I think offense doesn't travel particularly well. Defense travels. So if you're a team that's lacking kind of defensively, um, and that needs to shoot it, you're just going to be a much better home team. Um, and I think that's what you're going to see. I, th- I think they're going to really struggle on the road this year. But they'll have the ability, like we've seen certain Drexel teams past, for a team to uh, stumble in to, I would argue, the worst arena in the conference and uh, be utterly unexcited to play William & Mary. And William & Mary comes out hot, and all of a sudden you're in trouble quick. So I, I do. I think they line up with Stony Brook as teams that kind of can uh, um, trap games, trap game city. Um, Anthony, what have you seen there with uh, with with their schedule this year? I think you said it, Dan. The, that Richmond win only by a point, but uh, that's their that's what they're hanging their hat on this year. Only two other D one wins back to back against Army and Radford, as you said. I think you mentioned Radford. Otherwise, Navy beat them. Uh, lost pretty badly at Virginia Tech. Lost at American. Back-to-back losses at Pitt, who seems to be improved this year. Lost at NC State. Um, lost by 10 at Old Dominion, which is a team Drexel beat. Um, so, yeah, not not much of particular note other than that that win against the Spiders. I mean, when, when they played us, 
they were missing Noah Collier, I believe, who's a pretty good player for them too, inside guy. He's averaging 9.3 in uh, points and 8.6 rebounds a game. So maybe they're missing a little bit of an inside presence that they would normally have. Um, again, uh, this is a team that lost a lot of players. <laughs> they only brought back four guys as well, somehow. Uh, so a huge recruiting class. and But they brought in transfers. So like the guys you mentioned, like Gabe Dorsey, I thought was a really good transfer for them. Collier was a really good transfer. Um, and that Chase Lowe, I don't know if you remember that play. He wasn't a transfer, but he played a lot. Um, he was an interesting player to me because he's like a 6'5 point guard who probably would have played at a higher level, but he has no jump shot. None. At least in high school. I haven't seen his – what's his number so far for the year? He's shooting 0% from three. So that 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 correlates with what I was seeing. He, he, and so am I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he just had – he wouldn't shoot amazingly. But otherwise, pretty good. So, I mean, if they can eventually get that kid to shoot, he might be a good addition. But he's already contributing and playing for them a decent amount. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they uh, – Whenever you lose a lot like that, it's just it's hard. It's just hard to be good the next season. I mean, no matter how good you are, unless you're a power conference team that's bringing in, you know, top top 100 recruits. I mean, if you're not reloading every year like that, it's difficult. You need experience at this level. It's getting harder and harder with the transfer portal to keep experience around too. But um, yeah, I mean, in this case, at least like I said, at least they hit the portal up, brought some guys in, and it's making them competitive. Yeah, it's interesting thing. There, you know. The, they're always saying now, the biggest recruits you have are the recruits that are already in your in your system, right? The the guys who are already playing for you. But I actually think that's that's great in a lot of ways. That's 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 how the power of the student athlete changes, right? Like, not only is it okay, yeah, you can get some NIL money here or there, or you know, you can be an idiot and go to Boston College. Sorry, didn't didn't mean to say that out loud. Um, but you, you can. Um, you know, the, the, the schools are now catering more to the student athlete and, and, and uh, they're making more things available. And, and it's uh, it's all about ha- making sure that they have a great experience while they're here. They're recruiting them actively while they're at the school. I think that's a good thing. I don't think the transfer portal is a great thing, but I think the fact that the transfer portal forced innovation um, and the schools to, to treat their student athletes as, as, and continue to recruit them throughout their career there is, is, a, is a great thing for the athletes. So um, one of those silver linings of kind of a miserable situation. Um, I'll say that again, Kaplan arena, you're not recruiting anybody. Uh, they have tough academic standards to begin with. And then a, just a brutal gym to play in. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And, and it's, I, they have the football program too, to support if they're good for that as well. So it's a lot working against them and, um, less working for them. I think I, I, Put a lot because I, I Infish really did annoy me, <laughs> just straight up annoy me with the performance they had uh, at the DAC. But it's, it's certainly not all him. It's a tough place to win. It's a tough place to win, um, and we can go and rehash Tony Shaver's stories. I hope he's enjoying Wilmington in retirement because he would have had those guys in the, in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever before an absolute meltdown of leadership. Firing the guy who's figured out how to win there uh, with a stacked team returning, not a great decision. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that for, for decades because they're not going to dance for decades. Yeah. Unbelievable decision. Unbelievable decision. And, um, yeah, you have to question leadership there. So um, still slotted them in, maybe generously, in front of uh, Stony Brook. Um, 
because I think they have, you know, a few more interesting pieces, CA caliber pieces. Um, and they'll steal some, but I have it as a very large gap between them and the next group. Uh, the next group is hard. It's really hard to slot in actually. Um, but coming in at, what are we at? Eight, uh, eight on the list is North Carolina A and T. And I think early in the season, people would have thought they would be lower. Um, they, they would have been a little early in the podcast here, but they've, they've pulled off some wins. Um, they've, they've shown themselves to play a little bit. Uh, Cam Woods looks good, uh, and they've got Horton, who's who's uh, hitting the thing for around 50% from three. Um, they can stretch the floor. they got shooters at, at every position uh, besides Fillmore down low. It, it it feels a little bit, right? Like, you got shooters everywhere. We're not quite sure what we're doing yet. We can't defend, like, those kind of early Zach Spiker teams. We're, we're trying to figure themselves out uh, before they found stability. Um, so I think, it's, an, it's to me, it's an interesting team. Uh, it's an interesting addition to the league. It's an interesting team. Um, they uh, obviously, and, and again, the joy of doing this podcast in advance, they go, they compete with Northeastern. They lost by eight on the road. No shame in that. And then they um, snooker everybody with the win at Hofstra. So they're showing that, yes, they, uh, they're here to play. They're here to play. Um, so Anthony, what have, uh, what have you seen along, along their schedule? The, the win at Hofstra is probably the, the only thing you can hang the hat on at this point. Um, their first three wins of the season were all against non D one teams. I uh, got the first D one win in a battle for Greensboro uh, against UNC Greensboro. Uh, they won that game by, I think 17. Um, but beyond that, a one-point win against Texas Southern, and then the two-point win at Hofstra. So um, <laughs> other than that Greensboro win, they're, they're, both of their T1 wins are by the slimmest of margins. Um, blown out at Iowa, at Iowa State, at number five Houston. Um, another Norfolk State loss, and, and it seems like uh, Norfolk State is making their way around the CAA, at least the teams we've talked about so far. Uh, seem seems to have played them. Uh, most of the teams we've talked about have, um, but I mean, just looking at the schedule, I was surprised um, to hear you talk so highly of them. Frankly, just just from looking at it. And granted, I haven't seen too much of them, but um, you know, losing to teams like Gardner Webb, Wofford, New Mexico State, meh. I mean, they looked really bad early on, right? Um, but keep in mind that they also fired their coach in August. <laughs> so um, That's going to do. Their worst loss is at Northeastern right now, I mean, to be honest with you, and that's it's not terrible. The, 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 I will give an asterisk to the um, Greensboro game. Greensboro played without, I want to say it's Keandre Kennedy for two games. It was back-to-back. It was nc and and Elon. They actually played Elon within four. Um so, so that was a, a beaten up Greensboro team. They were missing one of their big guys and, and not playing particularly well at that, during that stretch, which probably helped NCA and T land them. Uh, I still think they're above um, that William and Mary Stony Brook crew, um, just because I think that they, they do have um, kind of the roles. They have Fillmore down low. They've got a shooter in Horton. They've got a guy who can stir the drink in Woods. Um, and, and Marcus Watson, who I haven't talked about yet, is a, is a guy you're going to be hearing about. So I, I, they've got to get the defense together. But 
to uh, to Bill's point, uh, what's going to come together last when you're throwing everything together right before the season starts, right? Um, you know, you're, you're just getting everybody on the same page defensively. Def- defense is so much about everybody uh, rolling with each other and understanding where, where everybody is on the floor. I think more so than offense. So if they can coalesce a little bit, um, they've got the shooters, they've got the scores. Um, they've actually been one of the better scoring teams in the conference, I think. Um, oh, that gives me a chance. If uh, if I see another media notes with Drexel talking about how great the defense is because they're not allowing the X number of points, it just drives me crazy. They, 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 they don't play a lot of possessions a game. We've had a weak schedule. Yes, Drexel has not provi- you know given up a lot of points. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best defensive team since whatever we're trying to say, 2000 or whatever. They're, um, yeah, I, I think there's room to grow. Terrible stats. Don't give me misleading stats. That's what I'm asking the CA Sports crew right now. That's all I'm asking. Um, Having Amari does help back there, though. <laughs> we are not an atrocious defense. Drexel's not an atrocious yeah. defense, largely because of Amari's, but I'm just, uh, I, I hate playing, playing with stats to make us sound good. And I get there's not a lot of, Hyperbole that we can have around there. So if we want to use scoring defense, is it? But it's such a 1995 stat that really is misleading, and I feel like you're you're disserving your audience. So shame on you, to my good friends at CA Sports and at the Drexel Communications Office. I actually uh, I've, I've grown, I think, to have a better relationship with these people. But that's a, that's a stat just bugs the hell out of me. So um, point is, point is, better offense. Um, by NCA and T, they've actually been fairly efficient. Um, their defense <laughs> needs work, um, and, and we'll see. But I think that's it's, it's a team that can grow a little bit as the season goes on, and uh, they already have that win at Hofstra. Just to kind of stick that feather in the hat, because that's that's going to be one that we're going to be talking about in late February as a as a big deal because Hofstra's going to need need those wins. We'll get we'll talk we'll talk about. I mean, what I, I had there recruiting class as the third best in the conference. Um, and one of their other players who's only scoring six points a game is Duncan Powell was supposed to be, you know, a pretty highly rated guy coming in. So I think they have potential to recruit at that school. I haven't seen their facilities too much or anything, but just being the school that they are, um, I think they can pull in some good recruits if they bring in the right coach. Um, so, I mean, they brought back a decent amount from last year. Good recruiting class. I just think, you know, firing your coach in August is going to be detrimental <laughs> to your program no matter what. I'm surprised. I mean, they could lose a whole bunch of guys as a result of that unless they keep this coach around, but I would think that they're probably going to you know, have a coaching search unless this guy does amazingly here in their in their uh, CAA season. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on them for now. I have not been to the Corbett Sports Center, but I'll rate it as about league average. Uh, it's not bad. Not a bad place to catch a game. I think they've got a jumbotron. I think if we're rating by jumbotrons, we're scoring. We should we should have a, a jumbotron. That's it. A five jumbotron scale. When we rate these arenas. I'm I'm actually gonna the the rated three jumbotrons. <laughs> I'm actually gonna be in North Carolina for both the North Carolina A and T game and the Elon game. I don't think I'm gonna go to the Elon one because I've already been there. Um, but I might try to check out A and T's arena. So. Once that happens, I'll come back with a report, assuming I actually do make it. So you've been to Elon, too. Scott Keir used to just rave to me about how nice that place was. It's really nice. Uh, I mean, I was only there yeah. once, but it felt like a really nice professional 
you know, not gigantic arena, but nice. All right. Well, we'll await a full report card on the uh, NCNT <laughs> Sports Center. Break it down for us. I'll post from the uh, uh, Dragons Cast account too while I'm down there. Thank you. Uh, that'll take us to the next team on our list. Familiar foe. We're getting into uh, some of our friend friendly faces around here from Huntington Avenue in Boston, Massachusetts. On what's left of the orange line, the uh, Northeastern Huskies slot in next on our countdown. Um, I have here, you know, just Pridgen's been disappointing. Um, they're missing a they're missing a point guard. Joe Pridgen's really not playing particularly well. Uh, and there's only so much Telfort can do. Um, they always have somebody who's shooting the lights out. They've got Turner, who's shooting 51% from three for the year, which is pretty good. Uh, but Cohen's always going to have that guy. He's always going to have he's always going to have an annoying small three point shooter that somehow or another gets open six times a game because Bill Cohen runs some kind of magical offense. Uh, I'm sick of it, I'm sick of it. But uh, the uh, but yeah, it's it's Bill Cohen. This is the second straight down here. And now they're going to start having questions because when's the last time, Bill, do you remember seeing a point guard at Northeastern? Uh, he now currently plays for Michigan State. So, yeah, yeah, that's the truth. That that really that really pulled the rug out from them, didn't they? I mean, he's averaging like uh, fifteen or sixteen a game there too. So, um, quite a loss, and they haven't definitely haven't filled that gap um, with him out. But again, this is the. Same thing here, Dan. Where they they just didn't they didn't hit the portal at all. And this in this climate of how college basketball is working, you can't be a bad team, have no point guard, and then just bring in all freshmen. They don't even have a JUCO guy. It's all freshmen, which is okay if you're good. Uh, I mean, or if you're have patience to just build and get better. I mean, and you think you can keep these guys around for, you know, three, four years, which is questionable across the board these days. So I just think that's what you're looking at here. They just, you know, didn't have enough returning, didn't fill the gaps and they're struggling like point guard. They didn't even bring up pure point guard. They got Chase Cormier, who I think is the closest thing they have to a point guard. And he's more of a scoring combo guard and he's not even he's only playing 15 minutes a game so they're stuck with you know a lack of point guard i did like jared turner a lot i mean he's a big shooter but i mean other than that um the crazy thing for me is i think if i was starting a, a team today or in the conference this would be an interesting thought exercise we hadn't prepared for it but you know like my all-conference team if i was actually starting a five five-man roster i think i'd have to consider jamal teleport for on it like he's really good that dude is really good, and I'm sure he's getting draped all over these games right now, and he's still performing at a high level. Um, kind of a shame. <laughs> kind, kind of, you know, I hate to see players like that um, be on teams that struggle. But it's his third year there. He's been consistent. You know, he, he's he's recruited from them. This is definitely his best season to date. But you always knew it was there. Um, he, he's he's getting put in the spotlight, and he's answering the call. And there's just. Um, you expected a few more pieces maybe to go with that. And, and you're right. Um, some of these coaches, uh, the portal's important. The portal is just as – we talk about the portal going outbound a lot. Uh, it's got to be a two-way street if you're going to be successful right now. And uh, Drexel, we, we tend to hit the JUCO, try to do some other things, but uh, get creative and, and make it work for you. Anthony, uh, anything that you have on the Huskies? 
their out of conference schedule wasn't bad. Uh, I think that a lot of their results seem to be uh, on the the margins, one way or the other. Uh, they'll, they'll lose close games. They'll win close games. Um, open the season with a loss at BU, city rival. Uh, lost by 24 at Providence. One point loss to Harvard. Um, lost at Syracuse pretty badly. Another team to beat Manhattan only by two. Um, lost, but then turn around and lose to Princeton again by only two points. So a lot of these games could go either way. So hard to really say, okay, well, Manhattan win by only two, not great. Princeton lost by only two. Or what is this team? What is this team? <laughs> um, lost at Georgia Tech. They beat Georgia State, former CAA opponent, by 20, and I believe they were the Sun Belt representative last year in the tournament and I think have generally been okay in that conference. I feel like they've been better there than they were as a CAA team, um, if I remember. Um, beat Holy Cross by a point. Um, win at Davidson uh, by three. Tough to know what that program is going to be now that Bob McKillop's retired. Uh, he was there for over 30 years, I think. So um, going to be interesting to, to see how that trends there. But uh 12 point win against A&T to start the conference play lost to Stony Brook. Um, they kind of just feel like they're going to be in the middle mediocre uh, lack of a point guard definitely is going to hurt. Bob McKillop retired. The new coach is his son. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I do. I think they're going to struggle in the league this year uh, in the A-10. Um, not looking for it, but excited to see. Um, that's a, uh, when's the last time we saw a, a dad hand a program down to his son? I, I can't really think of it. It happened last year. <laughs> oh, okay. That's true. That's, uh, yeah. High point. Um, Tubby Smith. That's not what I was thinking of. To yeah. his son. All right. A competitive program. High, no, high points, been, high points been decent. High points been actually been decent. They have been pretty good this year. I'll, uh, I'll take that away. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a rarity. It's cool. Um, he obviously had a great tradition. I had the chance to to be down there. That's another. That's a small facility, uh, but see uh, see that room not long after Stephon Curry had graduated, the trophy room and stuff, and that was a was a pretty cool spot. Um, I'd imagine the future Stephon Curry Gymnasium at Davidson University will be pretty cool. Can't imagine that doesn't happen at some point. I've been enjoying. Uh, I don't know if you guys have caught the uh, Purdue. You know, I have a family link to Purdue, but they did a lot of uh, social media with Drew Brees coming back before their bowl game, before they got smoked by LSU. Uh, but it was the social media was really good. the uh, The football wasn't, but the social media was really good. It's, it's some fun stuff. Check it out. Guys, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a mixed religion household. Both of my parents had one parent who was Jewish and one who was Christian. My friends in high school referred to my heritage as two-quarters Jewish, a thinking man's joke if ever there was one. The upside to all of this was celebrating both Hanukkah and Christmas as a child. Now, as you know, I've got a two-year-old of my own now, and I want to pass my heritage along to her. This year, she's celebrating the holidays by waking up nightly at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and sometimes 6. And that's why when I get up in the morning this holiday season, I say shalom to la Cologne. Whether it's the bold blends of their roasted beans or their draft latte that is as smooth and silky as a Coltrane jumper. If I want to be awake to record this podcast or do my job or even simply operate a motor vehicle, a Gatorade jug of La Cologne dumped over my head by my wife each morning is the only answer. Dragon's Cast podcast is proud to not be sponsored by anyone, including La Cologne. <laughs>
All right, that takes us to, let me see, you gotta check my notes, small school from Philadelphia, Drexel University. I slapped them in here. Um, I feel comfortable with them in front of A&T and Northeastern at this point, but not very comfortable. You guys agree, disagree? I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with them ahead of those two those two teams. I mean, just out of conference. Um, I just feel like they were getting beat up, um, and we didn't as much, <laughs> I guess. Uh I like our talent level a little bit more, and we have a coach who was here longer than August. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with uh, with us ahead of those two. The, the, the standards are high when it is – has our coach been here since before August? Um, I am – I'll just say go the other way with that, though. Given that we had the Italy trip this year, um, I'm a little disappointed that the team hasn't come together. We, don't, we haven't seen the new guys kind of, I feel like, fold in a little bit more. Um, by this point in the season. I still feel like it's a, kind of dis- disjointed out there between the guys who've been here for, for a long period of time and and the, and, and the new players who are um, still trying to achieve some minutes. Um, and I guess this is really just a call for us to play Michael Jordan, um, Yame Butler, Jordan, uh, a little more often. And as long as he's wearing 23 out there, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean um, – Talent-wise, I think I think you're right. I I, I think they belong here, um, but the schedule still doesn't really back up. Hey, they're much better, right? If you look at their actual results, um, I don't think that we get. It looks all that much better than the others do, and I, and I get worried about. Um, I actually think we've done well against Bocone and Northeastern, but um, you take us on the road and, and see how we do. Cause I, I'm not confident. And I think this is the right bucket for Drexel. Certainly Anthony, any thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think six is a good spot. Um, I, I, I do. Um, I'd echo what Bill said. Um, none of the losses were particularly, um, egregious, I guess, except for the Seton hall loss. Um, you know, always nice to beat a team like old dominion who we haven't seen in a long time. You wish you could have beaten Penn. Florida Gulf Coast is usually a good team. Uh, I believe Indiana State is having a decent year by their standards. Um, I guess the Princeton loss was by 20, uh, now that I think about it. So that wasn't a great loss either. But, um, I mean, instead of going through the team, since, you know, most people listening to this probably know, uh, one thing about the schedule that was interesting, I'm not – I think it's a positive. Out of conference, we – Stayed pretty close to home uh, for the most part. Uh, we were either at home at the DAC um, the first three games, three games in three days down in Florida, um, which was their longest trip, and they got three games out of it. So that was uh, that was good. Um, road games at Temple, at LaSalle, those are up the street. Um, unfortunately, the Fairfield game, as we talked about, didn't end up happening. Uh, but other than that, the, the furthest trip was Seton Hall, which is an hour and a half away. Uh, so um, unlike in years past where they've flown out to Abilene, Texas, or, you know, some such place, um, they uh, they shouldn't be road weary for conference play. I'll say that. Yep. And I'm going to give our home gym, the, uh, the Daskalakis Athletic Center, four Jumbotrons on our five Jumbotron scale. I, I, I'm all in on the deck right now. I've really enjoyed it. Um, 
And then as a as a guy who's got too much to do these days, one thing I noticed when I was sitting at the deck last weekend for both games is um, I didn't look up. I mean, I looked up stats on my phone, but I really wasn't on my phone a whole lot. Like I, I just kind of I was it got it sucked me in. Um, not that Jacksonville basketball usually won't for me, but um, like it was just an atmosphere that really made me focus on the game and enjoy the basketball in front of me, and and uh, I worried about everything else after it was over, which is kind of nice as a guy who's constantly on his phone and worrying about what's next and trying to trying to keep everybody happy. Uh, it was cool to, to tunnel out and, and enjoy this experience. So a big attaboy to the people who are getting that done uh, at the deck. Um, yeah, um, I, I will still take uh, Amari Williams on my CAA starting five for sure, but I, I do think there's, some, there's another name or two that we'll talk about as we move down the list. We're starting to get into the elites. Um, so we'll cross over that river. Uh, I've had a small gap between us and this next team. It pains me. Uh, Marshall, take your headphones off. But uh, the Delaware Blue Hens coming next at five. Um, the difference, I think, with this year's edition is just that the supporting cast is not nearly as good as it was last year. Um, J.R. Davis, um, I think, would compete with Amari Williams to be on that all-CA team as the big man. Um, and you have um, Jameer Nelson Jr., who um, I wasn't too sure about when he first showed up, but he's he's he's, he's really blossomed while he's been there, um, and he's he's um, become kind of he's certainly not Jameer Nelson Senior, but um, a guy who who really looks uh, he, he all the part out there. Um, so Anthony, can you take us through kind of what they've done to date? Put them in there. Sure, they uh, opened with a non D one win. Lost by four at Air Force. They uh, lost pretty badly at number seven Duke, although I do believe that game was fairly close, at least in the first half, maybe early second half, before Duke really turned it on and pulled away. Uh, Four-point win against Colgate. They've been decent uh, in the recent couple seasons, although this year I'm not sure that they're having quite as good a year as they have in in previous seasons. They beat Hartford, which – I wouldn't even call a D1 win. They are transitioning out of Division One down to Division Three, I believe, starting next year. Uh, so I'm sure they are playing with a bare-bones roster that probably is not uh, D1 quality. Uh, lost by 13 at Penn. Uh, Cornell beat them by seven. Beat Davidson by two. They actually rattled all five straight wins at one point, including a seven-point win at Princeton. Um, Ohio beat them by 19. Uh, Hofstra got by them pretty, pretty easily. And then uh, they just beat Elon, but you know, Elon was at the bottom of your rankings, Dan, but uh, they put a scare in Delaware and uh, Delaware only beat them by five. Uh, So I'll definitely be interested to see how they fare uh, later this week down at TD arena against Charleston. Yeah. Suddenly a big one uh, down there at TD arena and, I'll say this. I mean, Air Force is nine and six right now. Uh, they're, they're better than people thought they were going to be this year. Um, Duke, we know, is, is, is a pretty good basketball team. I hear um, the loss at Penn was the second game of their little Thanksgiving tournament that Penn was hosting. So you get down, yeah. I mean, Cornell, they, they haven't been a great home team, but Cornell, Ohio, Hofstra all at home losses, and, not, and none of those were particularly close. Cornell was a little close. Um, so. Not a great home team, which is interesting, especially for a team that's not a great defensive team. You would kind of think that they would play better at home. Um, 
But yeah, I still think they've got some decent wins. That's that, that Princeton win, that Davidson win, Colgate. Those are those are solid wins. They're not as good as the next tier up that we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. They're not good enough to be at that level where we say, "Hey, this is a good team, like an old school CAA good team." I think we're we're going to hit that level in a minute. But for the new school kind of weaker, watered down post VCU ODU CAA, like this is where you know you start seeing the okay, this is decent. This is a team that would contend. Uh, the good news is we seem to be at the top of the league, extending beyond that. You know, I think this is a Delaware team that would have contended in the last couple of years, that will not contend for the title this year, because the top of the team has got the top of the league has gotten that much better. Um, Bill, any any newcomers there that you want to highlight? Um, I mean, the, besides the two stars, these are those are clearly not newcomers. Uh, I mean, L.J. Owens, who was a freshman at William and Mary, you know, four or so years back, uh, played for UMBC. I mean, he's contributing. And then they have Christian Ray transferred in from uh, LaSalle, uh, who's at 6'6", is surprisingly good at rebounding because he's almost averaging 10 a game. Um, I mean, those two guys are, are giving them something. Uh, they have that Abby Asamo, who's averaging six, and there's nothing else. So they have five players, basically, well, who contribute, and then there's nothing. So, I mean... The star power enough that they have at the top is enough to you know carry them through to the level I think that we're seeing them at. Um, I just don't think they have enough depth to, like you said, they compete with the better teams um, in the conference. I think they're probably missing uh, Andrew Carr as well. The forward, it's Andrew, that's his name, yeah. right? Andrew Carr. Yep. Um, playing pretty well for Wake Forest, right? He is. Yeah, he's hit a couple big shots for them. A couple uh, game-winning shots. Um, so that's, uh, I'm sure that's a loss. I feel like he was a nice kind of complimentary piece for them who could shoot, get some rebounds, didn't need to be the star of the team. Uh, it's kind of a glue guy loss for them. I think this is, I believe it's Westchester's own Andrew Carr, uh, who, who, when you look at him, looks not intimidating at all, but to your point, um, it's not only shown it kind of took it to Drexel last year, but it's now showing it at wake. So it's a, it is impressive, and it's a big piece that they're missing. I mean, when you lose a guy like that, too, like he may have been the glue guy last year, but that could be a star this year. You know, it's the same thing with, I think, like TJ. Like TJ is a sophomore, wasn't a full-blown star yet, but two years more in the program, and what do you have on your hands? It could be a different animal. Uh, uh, it's just a shame we lost TJ. It's a, I mean, not a shame for us that they lost Carr. Uh, it works out in our, in our benefit, um, but not good for their program losing a guy like that. Um, but it's, you know, the world that we live in now. Yeah, TJ Biggerstaff, uh, it's our second reference to him in the podcast. So I'll just say um, I understood his decision to transfer. Um, I don't know that he was in the best system for for what he was trying to do. They were sticking him out by the three-point line a lot. Um, and I don't know that's accentuating what what he was doing, but they, the, the, listen, Dragons won the NCAA tournament doing that, or when when the, the CAA tournament doing that. So you can't complain. You can't say it was bad coaching. It was great coaching. They, they won the tournament, but it wasn't a great fit for him. I, I get that. What kills me is where he went and, and, and kind of, um, it still doesn't really fit him. And it's not a place where he's going to get on, you know, uh, where he's going to get the opportunities maybe, um, to be on national TV and so forth and so on. That I just think I actually think his, his profile was higher if he'd wanted to go if he wanted to do that. And and it feels like he left Drexel to take another bad situation. 
and that's frustrating to me. That tells me whoever was in his ear on there was was in it for the wrong reasons. Um, I don't mind guys transferring. I just want them to be successful when they do it. And I don't know that this was a step forward. Whereas, if he's at Drexel right now, to your point, I mean, oof, this is a really good team, and he's he's on your top five CA players list, right? I mean, so um, tough to see. Both him and I have actually more beef with Xavier Bell. We'll talk about that on a different podcast, but um, guys who really would have made a big difference here. I mean, TJ's still got that COVID year. Come on home. <laughs> bring him back. I'll bring take him back. back. We'll see how that goes. This is my ad to bring him back. Uh, I would love to see that Amari, TJ Bickerstaff uh, front court. There's not many teams in CA that are going to do anything uh, with that. All right, I'm going to give the Bob two and a half Jumbotrons. Like two and a half Jumbotrons for the Bob. A, they have an outdated Jumbotron, which automatically makes them uncool now. Um, but I, I like the seating bowl. Generally, it's the right capacity. Um, as long as the the nursing homes bring the correct number of folks with them. Um, but they also have a carving station, or at least used to pre-COVID, and they had good cookies. So I give them, that's, that's worth half a Jumbotron. I take them up to two and a half um, for the Bob there. All right, now we're getting into the elites, but certainly not the elite arenas. Um, so I said a small gap. It might be a larger, larger gap than that, but I, I still think it's a small gap. Um, above Delaware to Hofstra. Hofstra's my number four. Um, Aaron Estrada, very good at basketball. My player of the year right now. Uh, you could see it. Uh, they were missing him for, uh, for a little bit there, and uh, that did not go well. Um. They were missing him. I, he, he got hurt. I watched that Mason game they played. Um, he got hurt right before overtime in that game, stuck around, tried to hang in there. Uh, they probably weren't going to win at Purdue anyway, but then uh, getting smacked around by UMass and then losing to South Florida. It's not very good this year. Um, tough, tough sledding when he was out. They needed him to come back. And here he is. Um, he's joined by Donaldson's du- Dunbar. Dunbar? Dubar? who was one of my official CA pain in the ass. He's going to be here. It's going to feel like he's here for 15 years. He was, a, he was an effective freshman against us last year. Um, and then uh, actually a lot of new names. Uh, I think it's interesting um, what Speedy Claxton's doing with this roster. And he's clearly showing he's got an ability to recruit. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, but um, uh, Amari, uh, hang on, hang on. We're talking about this so much before the podcast that I've already forgot it. Amari Marshall. Has got like half the CA Rookie of the Week so far, but has also played, I think, seven minutes in the last two games. So there's some interesting dynamics going on there with, with how he's integrating folks, uh, speed integrating folks. Um, but uh, have you gotten a chance? Uh, this is your backyard now, Bill, relatively speaking. You got a chance to see any Hofstra basketball this year? I actually haven't watched them too much. I've, I've caught uh, a game here too, but, you know, it's these are names that we're familiar with for some of these guys at least. I mean, Estrada, like you said, is – I mean, he's player of the year last year, and he's only gotten better. Um, he was like a mid-range assassin last year, which I'm sure he still is, but he's also shooting 40% from three. Um, he's just – his average is up in both field goals and three-point percentage. So, I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. I mean, he took us apart um, last year specifically. You know, they bring in transfer Tyler Thomas, I believe from Sacred Heart. You know, he's contributing right away. Uh, Dubars, you know, doing what he what he did already last year. Amari Marshall, to your point, like I, it is strange to see a guy who's got six rookie of the rookie of the weeks, and then he 
isn't playing. Uh, who knows what's going on? I don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like Warren Williams is another, I think he's a transfer from Manhattan, you know, big guy contributing. Uh, Carlos, who they have, is running point for them. He's averaging 4.4 assists a game. I mean, so he's, uh, you know, playing well for them as well. I mean, I, I like their roster. Speedy Claxon showing he's, uh, like you said, can recruit and uh, he can coach. Uh, actually, the recruit I like the most for them is a 6'10 kid uh, who's not playing. I'm assuming maybe they're redshirting him. Um, you know, a little raw, but he'll eventually be pretty good for them, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is their slot in the right position here. Star power, more contributions in Delaware, and Aaron Estrada is going to you know, make them competitive any game they, they play. Anthony, you think this is about right? I think so. Uh, I was going to ask you when Estrada went down, uh, and it makes sense. Um, that George Mason game was their first of four straight losses. Uh, the Mason one was close, and you think they'd probably win that game if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, at number four, Purdue is is a tough spot. I mean, that's they did lose yesterday to Rutgers uh, by one, but uh, they look like the class of the country uh, up until yesterday. Um, Fifteen point loss to Frank Martin's UMass team, the seven point loss at South Florida. South Florida strikes me as one of those teams that is not good enough for the conference they're in. They're they're destined to be mid, middling in that conference, but also better than a lot of the teams in our conference. Um, they're kind of a team without, I think, a real good spot, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, they beat Quinnipiac by two. They beat Greensboro by 12. Lost at St. Mary's. One at San Jose State. Fun fact about San Jose State, uh, they are over 500 in the Mountain West Conference for the first time in their history. Um, I think they've been in the conference 10 years, which is quite the stat. Um, one at Princeton by six, beat Rick Patino's Iona Gales by five, a five-point win against GW. One thing that I noticed about their schedule, uh, to contrast it with what I was saying about Drexel's schedule earlier, uh, where Drexel kind of was homebodies, Hofstra was really playing the road warrior role uh, in out of conference. Two-game road trip out west of California, San Jose State, St. Mary's, down to George Mason, then over to West Lafayette to pay Purdue, came back home to play UMass, and then down to Tampa to play South Florida Yingling Center. So they were jet-setting uh, in their out-of-conference. Um, yeah, but like I said, it, it, it's just too bad that, you know, some of the biggest games that they played, they didn't have their best player. Because that, not only for them, but it could have helped the conference, uh, you know, to play close to a team like Purdue or, or, or beat UMass. I'm pretty sure one of my buddy's houses in college was the Yingling Center, so I found it weird they were playing basketball there. <laughs> um, the yeah, and your point they, they actually played a pretty balanced schedule home road last year, so it's just not. Uh, you know, I, this is Speedy Claxton doing what I love to see a college coach do. Says, "Hey, you don't want to come to Hofstra? You don't want to play us? All right, half team will travel. We're gonna prove we're real, you know." And we'll, we'll, it's hard to schedule. We keep we always hear about what's hard to schedule. When coaches say that's hard to schedule, they're saying it's hard to schedule home games. It's hard to be make a successful schedule, and I get that. You, you want good home games, and I really think that our, our staff at Drexel, fantastic job this year, putting together a schedule, one of the better ones we've had in, in a long time. Um, but if you can't do it, if you really have a, a, a threatening mid major team that nobody wants to travel to, hit the road, hit the road. Um, 
great way to tune up for conference play and uh, get some good games, get some good games, get your talent, have your talent be seen. Um, there's going to be some folks who say, oh, you know, you, you put him in front of you put you have this guy and he goes on the road to a, a good venue that's to an Iona or, or even to a major school and he plays really well. He's not going to play for you next year because, you know, you don't, you don't want to show off too much in front of the guys who can out-recruit you or outspend you. Um, but I, I listen, bring on the competition for me. I, I think if, if you if you want to coach, you want to coach, go out there and do it. Speedy's doing it. So I, I appreciate it. Um, okay, one more note. Don't know what it was. It's all right. Next on our list, there's a gap after Hofstra. I have I have actually a significant gap. I'll say that. Even with Estrada back, I have a significant gap between Hofstra and these next two teams. Um, and I think that's an unpopular opinion. But uh, that's my hot take for this countdown. Uh, I have a significant gap between Hofstra and UNC. What? Towson. Give it all the way. And Towson. I have Towson third. Um, came into the season, I thought, 1-2 with Charleston. I think I had them one, um, but Towson, they've disappointed a little bit. And, and the story for me here is simply um, Jason Gibson's still out. And uh, I did pull up a post game from uh, the loss to Charleston. Uh, they just had a couple days ago with Towson. And um, Pat Scary, it's a big year for Pat Scary. Pat Scary saying that they have no, no timetable for the return still. So yet another team, we talked about Northeastern, Struggling at the point guard position. Drexel struggling at the point guard position. Um, now we have uh, a, a really top flight team in the conference here who's struggling at the point guard position. Uh, if you have a good point guard, you're going to have some good games in the, in the conference this year because you can exploit your, your opposition. Um, they need him back, and they've been playing like he's out uh, is the best way I could put it for Towson. I think if they get him back, you know, I, I'm putting him here with the Astros. If they get him back... Um, I think they, they can really battle for number one still. I think he, he's that important um, to that team. They have some great other players with Timberlake and um, Cam Holden, but um, they need that. They need to move the ball. They need to, to run their offense, and they, they don't have their floor general right now, and that's tough uh, and a big year for that program. So if they get them back, I do think they're competitive with the tops. He saw Charles that came in. Um, Tasman was on a long layoff for that game. They didn't play on Thursday or on uh, when everybody else did. That was their day off. Uh, so they were on a long layoff. They started slow. It still managed to get the game to overtime. And that's all without Gibson. So you can imagine with him there, uh, they're competitive. They're competitive. I, I still think um, it's a big injury. Not as big as the Estrada injury was, but a, but a big one. So, Anthony, what have you seen from Towson? I was going to ask, Dan, when did he get hurt? Do you remember around what game? It was early. I want to say third game of the year. Yeah, he's only played three games from what I'm seeing in the box. Okay. Because one thing that stands out immediately to Towson is that uh, they were rolling. Um, five straight wins to open the season. Five-point loss to Fairfield, but then another three wins. So they won eight of their first nine, and they're on a five-game losing streak. Um, that stood out immediately. Uh, they won at UMass by 12, beat Penn at Penn by six, Three-point win at UNC Greensboro. Um, Two-point win against South Alabama. Ten-point win at Long Island, which is one of the worst teams in Division I. Uh, only lost by five at the Little John Coliseum, home of the Clemson Tigers. Um, Two-point loss to Navy. Uh, losing to Northern Iowa. Losing by ten at Bryant. That was a tournament team last year. 
um, that I believe actually has the mustachioed hero from St. Peter's on their team now, if memory serves. Um, and I, his name is escaping me. I can't remember. Uh, but um, and yeah, that, that Charleston loss was was tough for them. I I, I was at watching Drexel while the, that game happened, so I didn't see any of it. But uh, from what I was told, uh, there were some. It was a wild finish down the stretch uh, for that game. So tough for them to lose, um, you know, at home like that. But maybe for the conference for the best, because without that win, Charleston, I'm certain, would not be ranked today. And it's the first time in 35 years CA gets a ranked school. I guess I'll take that. The one name I didn't mention earlier was Charles Thompson, by the way. Uh, they're big men. And I do. I have him. Jared Davis and Amari Williams is the top three big men of the league right now. I thought Thompson did a really good job on Amari last year. Um, he's, he's just a tough body to move. Um, and then you put, put him, you put Holden next to him. You have Timberlake out there who's just annoyed me for years. Um, it's a good Towson squad. Bill, what did you think about them? No, oh, yeah. Uh, they're really talented. I think they returned the most points in the conference uh, for this season. So, you know, like you said, their point guard – position they're struggling with since Jason Gibson's been out. They've been running uh, Radir Hicks uh, back there, who's just not nearly as effective. Um, They do have Ryan Conway, who's a transfer from Seton Hall, but he's – he can run a little point, but he's – I think he's even more deadly from three. Like, he's he's more of a three-point shooter. So, he has been playing. He's averaging about six a game. Uh, I thought maybe he would have a bigger contribution and maybe – ease the loss of Jason Gibson a little bit, but I guess that, you know, leadership of a guy who's been around for a long time, um, they're missing, but they still, like you said, they took Charleston, uh, they had Charleston on the ropes and just let that one slip away. So, I mean, they're, they're as good a team as any in the conference. Um, you know, maybe a slight hair below the other two. Um, I, I actually think UNC Wilmington and Charleston are better coached. Honestly, I think uh, Scary is good, but I think uh, he's got more talent than the other two teams, in, in my opinion, at this point. So, I mean, as far as straight-up coaching jobs are going, uh, I'll give the edge to uh, two teams we're about to talk about after this. All right. And, um, yeah, I, I missed my, my Jumbotron rating for Hofstra, by the way. They get one-and-a-half Jumbotrons because when you start building an arena, you should finish it, and they forgot. Um, <laughs> down at the uh, whatever – Bank Arena, uh, it is down in uh, in Towson here. Uh, five five jumbotrons, five jumbotrons gets. I get. I, it's my favorite building in the conference right now. A great place to watch a game. It's not too big. It's modern, uh, easy to get around. Um, this should improve your concessions. Four and a half jumbotrons. Improve your concessions. Come on, man. Step up your game a little bit. You should have some crab cakes going on there in there. Something. I was gonna say lower a little bit just because we don't play very well down there. Oh, I, I fucking hate playing there. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a whole whole different story. This is purely, purely unbiased. Uh, listen, these are Jumbotron ratings. They have to be taken seriously. Um, that does take us to our number two team out of Trask Arena. Uh, three Jumbotrons, five when it's full. Um, Trask Coliseum, please. Sorry, you're right. It's the Coliseum. It's it's um, it is um, hockey. Yeah. The, by the way, that's that's a negative five Jumbotron hashtag that they have down there. One of my least favorite marketing moves, uh, the hockey. Yeah. Um, but they're good. They're good guys. Uh, we've said it before. Um, 
I said it. I feel like I'm on repeat because it's it remains true. Um, three losses this year, and those losses remain very impressive. <laughs> um, UNC, Oklahoma, and UConn. Those teams will be there at the end of the year. They, they're probably going to be there at the second weekend at the end of the year. Um, so no no shame in those losses. They've taken everybody else. They have the nation's third longest win streak right now with 11 straight, uh, including a win over North Texas. Vermont, you'd like to see them schedule a little bit better, if we're being honest. Um, not the most competitive schedule, so the winning streak leads to that. But, you know, it's I guess that's the thing. It's, it's all super elite teams. Or North Texas, or kind of nobody in between. So, be interesting to see when they square off at the top of our league how it looks. Um, but they handled um, Monmouth on the road and Hampton at home very easily in the first week of the conference season. I think they belong here at two. What do you think, Anthony? Anthony, I I agree. Uh, Wilmington uh, definitely a strong team. Um, I think it's eleven straight, eleven straight wins uh, currently. I. Imagine they're going to win at Elon at and at North Carolina A&T. So that will be 13 heading into a um, huge game at home against Charleston. On- Hang on. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. I, I called the NCA&T as one of the trap teams. One of the trap, that's a trap spot right there. Coming off of that Elon, walk through them, back half of the weekend at A&T, and then you've, uh, you got, you're looking forward to Charleston. That is a trappy road spot. Uh, I think that's Absolutely. Really interesting. Definitely agree with that. Uh, but should they survive, that Charleston matchup is going to be a big one. Um, Grant McCaslin's Texas Tech, or excuse me, North Texas. Sorry, North Texas. You mentioned that. That's a nice win. That team is a strong defensive team. Um, they play their games in the 50s and low 60s, 55-51. They beat them by four. Before that, two-point win against a Vermont team that's having probably their worst year in a long time. Um, they are eight losses already for Vermont and they typically are the America East representative from the, uh, for the NCAA tournament. So they're having a surprisingly bad year, beat Missouri state, um, you know, at number one, North Carolina, they're not number one anymore, but, um, you know, they're still a blue blood, uh, Oklahoma is a decent team. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that the, certainly not the, the peak of the Big 12, but they're they're still formidable uh, for sure. Um, and and then UConn, you know, they lost by 36, but UConn might be a top three team in the nation. I mean, they have just been blasting teams. Uh, Xavier and Sean Miller got them at home um, at Synthas Center by 10 uh, on Saturday afternoon, but every other game prior to that, um, and I guess an eight-point win against Villanova just before then, but 10 points or more every game uh, for their first, uh, you know, 12 games, 13 games of the season. So uh, no harm in losing to UConn uh, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, Wilmington is – they're proving it. They're winning games big. They're winning games close. Uh, they're, they look like they're going to be a tough out. Bill, outside of Shaheem Phillips, who I think is entering his ninth year of eligibility, uh, by my if my memory serves, um, I mean I think he was there for Benny Moss at this point. I, I don't even know. Um, um, a lot of underclassmen, a lot of underclassmen getting getting um, getting some run. Um, who who do you who do you like down there? Who's who's stirring the drink down there? 
I mean, I mean, Trezarian White's their, their leading scorer. I mean, I didn't see him before he, you know, got to UNC Wilmington, but um, he's averaging 14. But you look at the rest of the team, and there's no one over 10 points a game. I mean, they're getting just a balanced effort from a lot of guys. I don't know if it's their style of play. Maybe they just, you know, shift guys in and out. I mean, no one's no one's playing over 30 minutes a game. Uh, so I think they're just, you know, out playing people, out running there. You know, if they've got a – but they've got some guys they brought in who, who, who are good or contributing right away. Like Donovan Newby's transfer came in. You know, he's given them eight a game. Um, Malik Harden-Hayes giving them about eight a game. I mean, they've got, you know, just a number of guys. And they have promising freshmen, too, who aren't even really playing that much yet. So I, I think not only are they good already, but I think they've got themselves set up to be good for the future. I mean, I had them as the number one recruiting class um, in the CAA, uh, right up there with Townsend, too, actually, who was, uh, like, you know, 1A, 1B. Um, but, yeah, you, you can see that they're – they're already good and they're going to be even better, I think, as they go along. I mean, what is this? Is um, uh, is this Siddle's second year? How many years has he been in the league? I can't, I think this is only second his, year. His second, you got a feeling he, he's, he's not going to have more than three, or this is his third nah. year. I'm sorry, it's third year. Is this third, but okay. uh, yeah, third year. But the first one was the COVID year, you know, take that for what it's worth. But all my um, years blend together yeah. with this uh, <laughs> this pandemic. You're old now, Bill. It's okay, yeah, that's a problem, um, too. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, turn things around. They were not great out of conference last year, and then all of a sudden, we're fifteen and three in conference, and now they're they're ripping along. And yeah, you got to think he's um, the guy most likely. If Gino Gino Ford's the most likely guy to be in trouble, Takeo's the most likely guy. Maybe the next guy we talk about, but um, to be in a, a very high conference in a short period of time, I would think. But it's interesting. I, there's no school with variation like UNCW, right? Because I think resources-wise, they're one of the lowest in the conference, really. Uh, and their, their building is outdated, even though everybody loves Trask. Um, it just doesn't seem to, you know, they have Benny Moss. They choose Benny Moss. It's They may not win a game all season. Then they go this way with it. Then, you know, two years from now, they could be 0-160. There's just there's no rhyme or reason, I feel like, to, to where this program ends up. But they seem to be in solid ground right now. Um, and for as long as they have him, which is which is great to see. I mean, they, they do have a good fan base, though, right? I know the facilities might be out of date, but at least you can bring people there when you're recruiting and you've got an exciting atmosphere um, at a bare minimum. I mean, I remember when they were, you know, good way back in the day, um, like seeing their fans even on the road. It was impressive to see how they traveled. Um, and I know it's the only – I think it's the only game in Wilmington, right? So, I mean, there's not a lot – lot to compete with so they've got locals who didn't even go there who are attending but still you bring a recruit to that and you see the passion and the atmosphere that those fans are bringing that that helps you a lot yeah that's they, they have that sweet spot where it's a decent sized market i mean they've even got an airport so it's, it's, it's more than a town it's a city but there's not a doesn't really support anything else so especially in the winter and the time. beach is too cold for during yeah. their season yeah so it's a they're in a real good position there as far as getting the townies out, and they and they do a good job of it. To your point, Bill. Um, fair to put them at two. Everybody, everybody agree with them at two. I think so. Would you put Towson? Would you put Towson in front? Would you put our number one team, Charles College of Charleston? Would you put them behind? Would you like UNCW at two? I think it's the right spot. I mean, maybe if Jason Gibson's back, Towson can you know push for that spot. They may be more talented at this point, but without him, they're just not really proving it, I think. So, you know, 
when is he back? Well, like you said, I don't think it's it's known yet. I mean, if he's back early enough in the conference season, then you know they could easily move up past them. But at this point, two's the right spot, in my opinion. All right. And Anthony, on board with it too? That too? I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think uh, I think they're in the right spot. Charleston, uh, Charleston, a shade ahead of them. I, I'd probably put Towson a step below, at least until they get healthy and we see them at full strength. But uh, I, I'm I'm good with them at two. All right, and we'll wrap it up then with our number one, number twenty-three in your AP poll, Carlton Charleston Cougars. Head coach Pat Kelsey, who is also, by the way, on my short list of people. It was an old article you can dig up, but he was one of the guys. Uh, I don't think he would have taken the Drexel job even if it was offered back then, but I would have loved to see him up here. And he waited for the right opportunity. Um, this is a school that prioritizes basketball above almost everything else as a way to market the institution. It's, it's a way to culturally advance the institute, institution. This is a basketball school. Pat Kelsey saw that, acknowledged that, said this is the right fit for me. It appears to be a great marriage. Um, who knows how long he's he's at Charleston for because he's going to be a very hot commodity. But it is working. Um, I will say before we get started getting into the team, just got ranked this week. Traditionally, the next game is about the hardest game because they've been reading their press clippings for like two straight days now. And they're going to go in and it's NCANT again, Anthony. Um, NCANT is going to get blown out of both of these games. Now I'm calling them both traps. But uh, they, have, uh, they have a tough one. Um, you know, a, a trappy looking one right before they get Delaware at home, which is kind of a bit of one where they could be looking ahead to. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be keeping my eyes out. That's a national TV game. I do want to say that. Um, Charleston at A&T is on national TV tomorrow. It's Wednesday at 5. I don't know when this is going to get up. You're probably going to miss that. Drexel at Towson. Uh, this is Thursday. That's national televised. Um, so for your Dragon fans, make sure you get to CBS Sportsnet on Thursday evening. And then we actually get the really good one is that next game. Uh, and another reason why they're going to be looking ahead, Delaware Charleston is a national TV game on Saturday. So um, Charleston's actually on twice this week. Um, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about why they're number one, Anthony D'Angelo. Just a, a stretch of about six games, six, seven games, where they just played a bunch of, well, some – Good teams in name, at least. Uh, they beat Chattanooga to open the season. Lost at then number one North Carolina uh, by 16, I think. Uh, but that final score is not indicative of how close that game was. They were up seven at halftime. Uh, it was a two-point game um, with 10 minutes left uh, in the um, 10, 11 minutes left in, in, in the second half uh, before – UNC really turned it on. So that game was much closer than the final score looks. Um, but North Carolina, runner-up in the national championship last year, uh, followed by a two-point win over Richmond, tournament team last year, 23-point route of Davidson, tournament team last year, 10-point win over Colorado State, tournament team last year, two-point win over Virginia Tech, tournament team last year. That's impressive. Um, got by Kent State, who was playing pretty well this season, beat them by two. Um 15-point win over Old Dominion. Uh, and and then the schedule softens a bit. Played a lot of rivals in-state. Win at Citadel, win at Presbyterian. I believe North Greenville is in South Carolina, though they're not D1. They beat Stetson at Coastal Carolina, another um, South Carolina team. 
Uh, so after the gauntlet, you know, a little bit of the, the cake, but uh, they took care of business, uh, even in some of those games like Presbyterian, the only one by five, but they got it done. And then, you know, dominated Hampton to begin conference play and then got the close one at Towson. So, uh, you know, they had been kind of right on the cusp of being ranked in the top 25 for several weeks, uh, all throughout December, um, you know, getting the votes to put them, you know, 27, 28 in that neighborhood. Uh, and then uh, yesterday they finally jumped up. Uh, so good to see, good for the conference. Uh, like you said, Dan, we'll see how long Pat Kelsey is for this world. Um the CAA world, at least. Um, and who knows, uh, is Charleston long for the CAA? Uh, if I was running the Atlantic 10, I'd want them. Yeah, it's going to be discussion. It's going to be discussion for this offseason. Um, yeah, and, and um, they, they have it. They have a, a decent-sized market, but they continue to be, especially in the winter time. I mean, I, I don't think the Citadel is really challenging them as far as being the only game in town. They've been getting decent crowds. i got to look at their attendance numbers, but at least – the social media game makes it look like they're good. I've got a I've got a, a solid three and a half jumbotron arena, um, and and again, uh, I can't tell you guys. I mean, when you have an administration that just goes out and prioritizes, this is what we do. This is what we're going to do here. And yeah, academically, there's not going to be some of the restrictions in Charleston that you're going to have at Northeastern or, or even the Drexel or or William and Mary. But um, they made it a priority. They made it like part of their culture. And uh, so this is who we are. And um, the, the only team I've seen really do that similarly is VCU, you know, um, where you have a university president who really steps in and says, this is what we're about. And it, it didn't take that much investment. And it, the investment has paid off so much. And that's what I would put in front of John Fry and I'd put in front of others around the conference. Is, uh, so that um, not a lot of teams who are moderately well-run, not a lot of universities that are moderately well-run, have dumped money into this and have had it be an abject failure at this level. If you, if you do it the right way and take the time and get the right staff in place, like it's, it's a, it's a investment that can pay off. Uh, that's, that's my vote for investing in college basketball. And I think the college of Charleston story, Bill, look at the, uh, the roster now turning that way. Um, you know, I remember seeing a lot of, uh, Ryan Larson, um, at Wofford, actually, right? I mean, uh, he transferred in, but I remember uh, he was, I think, one of us in the tournament. That's uh, where I remember him from. And, and Rain Smith um, um, has been pretty good this year. Um, Pat Robertson was the guy, actually, who showed flashes to me. I thought was was really interesting. And I know, I don't even think he's starting right now, but I think he's he's a he, he's that player that kind of just jumped off the page at me. What have, what have you been uh, been seeing from there? I mean, you're looking at a team that may not have a single all league player on it. I mean, they'll get one, maybe two. I don't know, based on the fact that they're so good. But statistically, I mean, their their top players, their top scorer is Dalton Bolin, uh, who didn't play much last year. D2 transfer uh, from the same school as Pat Robinson, um, I believe. Uh, he's averaging 12.3 a game. I mean, that's the same amount as Coltrane Washington. So, I mean, there's not a lot of star power on this team, but – I mean, this is, I think, clearly the best coach team in the conference. I mean, you take this roster that's not, you know, loaded in a traditional sense, but, man, I mean, they're just playing a really high level of basketball. I mean, they brought in, they have guys who are returning, Rain Smith, Dalton Bowen, like I said, he was here last year but didn't play too much. And then they put in um, the transfers, Ryan Larson, like you mentioned, from 
Wolford, like rock solid point guard. I don't know if he's an all league guy, but man, you he's a really good point guard. You'd love to have him running your team. Um, Pat Robinson, I think, has been doing a little bit of everything for them. Um, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Ant Brozovic, I don't know. He's been playing well for them too. He's a he's a JUCO transfer. Um, you know, so they they brought in enough talent of new guys who are contributing right away to go along with the, you know, current roster and have blended perfectly. And they're just playing at a high level, but it's not, you know, there's no strata here. There's no, uh, Omari Williams. There's no like superstar. It's a, it's a, it's a cohesive unit that's playing just together extremely well. Um, and is coached by the best coach in the conference. It's crazy to me that we talk about USW and CFC and they, they, Neither one gets a first teamer this year, maybe, um, and 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 they seem to be head and heels above everybody right now. Uh, Towson will have some star power though; they'll, they'll, they'll show up on those teams. But um, yeah, it, it is. It's it's uh, you tip your hat to the guys who are running the shows there and and, and playing some team basketball. Um, it's cool to see. I really, I think that's the game, right? Wilmington and Charleston that we're all kind of looking forward to. Maybe at Trask, right? That's going to be a, a bloodbath. That'll be fun. So. So good, good games at the top of the CA slate. Some programs that are developing at the bottom, guys. Uh, I'll run it through the list one more time. If you see anything that seems like uh, we got it wrong, shout. Um, but just recapping here, we have uh, from the we'll go from the top to the bottom here: Charleston, UNC Wilmington, Towson, Hofstra, Delaware, Drexel, Northeastern, NCA and T, William and Mary, Stony Brook, Hampton, Monmouth, and Elon. From the top to the bottom. Feels good to you guys? I mean, I feel like we need a contrarian here, but I, I, I can't even. It, it looks like a – it seems like the right the right order to have them at this point. It's just so spread out. You've got a team that's, team that's in the AP Top 25. You have a team that's one of the t- ten worst in college basketball, maybe, when you have that kind of a spread. Yeah, there's definitely – there's some drastic tiers going on, Dan, to your point. Yeah, there's definitely large differences. I mean, that, some of it has to do with just, you know, with the new teams in the conference, just not – you know, being there yet, but, and then you have Elon. Um, so, I mean, it, it's still, it's still super early in conference play. Uh, most teams have played two games. Um, I think four teams have only played one, uh, but it, it kind of bears out, uh, you know, at the bottom you have Elon, you have Hampton, you have Monmouth, uh, William and Mary uh, at either own two or own one. Um, and they, are at the bottom of Dan's list at, at the top, you have Charleston and Wilmington who are at the top of Dan's list. Um, everybody else is kind of bunched, uh, together. Um, you know, Towson 0 and one, but they've only played one game and it was against the best team in the conference and it was close. So, you know, that their, their standing is obviously going to move. Um, Drexel sitting with UNC Wilmington and Charleston at two and O, uh, and, uh, it's, it's nice to have that little cushion, up there. I don't know how long they're going to remain in a tie for first in the conference, but um, certainly nice to have a couple games in hand this early in, in conference play. Hopefully they can keep it up. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it for us tonight. Uh, Bill, Anthony, thanks for joining. Uh, this has been another fun rendition of Dragon's Cast, and, and hopefully uh, I, I'm going to try, I think, uh, end of the month, we'll have some guests on maybe from around the league, and we can talk uh, with some of the folks from, from some of the other schools and put a little shindig together and, and uh, get some opinions outside of our Drexel viewpoint, have a little more to go on by that point too, because you know, the, the other big thing we haven't talked about tonight, 
that scattered schedule. Not everybody's playing everybody twice now. You know, you're gonna, some teams are only facing on the road, some teams are only facing at home. So the final standings may not bear out these rankings just because, you know, you, somebody gets the, the break with the schedule. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Drexel's not going to Charleston this year. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. Um, so that's it. But thanks. Thanks to both of you and have a great night.